Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Genesis Church. My name is Paul Mumaw and I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you today, or if you use something like the YouVersion app on your phone, I want to invite you to take it and turn to uh, the Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. We're going to spend uh, a little bit of time with uh, this verse today. As you're uh, turning there, uh, we've established a, a tradition in our home uh, with our children that when they turn 10, uh, they get to take a trip with dad. And a couple of day trip, we call it the 10 year old adventure. Uh, did that with my son a couple of years ago, and a little over a week ago, had the chance to do that uh, with my son, Luke. Now, uh, Luke gets to help decide what we do on that adventure, and so for Luke, he knew that he wanted it to involve roller coasters, and so uh, we went off to Ohio for a couple of days, uh, did a little camping, and then spent all day on a Friday uh, at Kings Island uh, Park there. And uh, I'll just say this, you know, as I get a little older, uh, I'll be turning 40 in September. Uh, I noticed that things are just changing a little bit. My ability to kind of put up with motion uh, is somewhat challenged. And uh, the great thing about our day at the park was there wasn't anyone there. And so by lunchtime, we had ridden all of the major roller coasters in the park. Now, after that last one, I, I finally turned to Luke and I said, Luke, Daddy needs to take a little bit of a break. And uh, so we went out to the van. We ate our lunch. I actually laid down in the back of the van. And thanks to the help of that rest and some ibuprofen, uh, was able to make it uh, the rest of the way through the park. Well, later on that afternoon, uh, and before we left, uh, Luke was wanting to ride this, this water ride. Now, it's one of those rides where you just like 30 people pile into the boat, it goes up to the top of the hill, does a little turn, comes down, and everybody gets drenched. And uh, I turned to Luke and I was like, Luke, I really don't want to ride that ride. Like, I have no desire to get drenched uh, right now. And so I said, you want to do it yourself? And uh, he's like, yeah. And so uh, I went and I, I kind of found a place to, to kind of watch. And well, little did I know that as Luke got into the boat to ride this ride, uh, and this video will show you, not only did he ride it without his dad, um, but I want you to see this here. He is in it all by himself. <laughs> and um, I didn't realize that was going to happen that way, but uh, he's in that boat all by himself. And then uh, this next video here, well, kind of shows you the thrill. Look for his head there. Look for his head. There he is, all by himself down the ride. I was strategically placed in order to not get soaked. And there's Luke finishing the ride, and I loved it. It was a great moment for me. And so I quickly texted the video to my wife. And husbands, I don't know if you've ever gotten one of those responses from your wife where you can kind of tell they're yelling at you through a text. Uh, but thankfully, she forgave me. I mean, she kind of gave me a hashtag dad fail, you know, whereas my son Luke, it was a hashtag dad rules, right? And uh, he got off the ride with a smile as big as he possibly could, soaking wet, and uh, was really just a kind of a cool moment for him. Like, you know, this feeling of, you know, freedom, this feeling of getting older, this feeling of really being alive. And, you know, when you think about it, we've all had moments like that. You know, if you think about your life, as you think about, you know, some events from your past, we all experience those moments where we feel truly alive. I mean, maybe for you it was the moment that you got the acceptance letter uh, to the school that you'd been waiting on, or uh, maybe graduation day, and you, you walk across that stage and you grab your diploma and maybe off to a, a job or, or to college. Maybe it was the moment that you asked her out and she said yes. 
And uh, that moment was a big thrill for you, or the wedding day, or uh, maybe the birth of your baby, or if you're, you know, if you're a football fan, maybe when the Colts signed Frank Gore, you know, I mean, we're finally, you know, maybe a running game, maybe this year, uh, finally a running game, at least we hope. But I think all of us uh, can, again, point to one of those moments where we just felt really alive. You know, that there was something special about this, more alive than we ever had before. And again, we love those moments. And there's some of those that we wish we could live over again. Well, today uh, we're wrapping up a series that uh, I hope uh, has been somewhat memorable uh, for you. I, I know I've really enjoyed teaching through this. Um, I hope that maybe for some of you it's a life-changing uh, sort of a series, that you'll look back to these weeks and you'll think, you know what, that, that's when things changed for me. And, and I realized that it was so much more than just going to church, but that it really is about a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. You know, this series, uh, a lot of the inspiration for it comes out of a book uh, by uh, two guys, two brothers, two pastors uh, that I've had the privilege of getting to know and appreciate, Dave and John Ferguson. But they wrote this book called Finding Your Way Back to God, uh, where they really look to Jesus and they look at this story of the prodigal son uh, that Jesus tells. And uh, so if in some way this has really been kind of hitting home for you, I might encourage you to check out this book. It'd be a great resource, a great read for you. Or maybe you've got somebody in your life that you've been kind of getting to know and you know that they are just right there and they're asking so many questions uh, about God. This would be a great book to read with somebody else and uh, you know, set aside some coffee times or some lunch uh, to have conversations about it together. But in this book, they talk about five awakenings. They look at five awakenings that this prodigal son experiences in Luke chapter 15. Again, we've been talking about these five awakenings and how they have everything to do uh, with us finding our way back to God. But these awakenings aren't just something that happens uh, when we initially find our way back to God, you know, as a first time, uh, you know, trusting Christ, sort of a believer. But they're awakenings that we need to continually come back to, you know, as we live our lives for the Lord, as we struggle. You know, we have those ups and downs. And so we've talked about these awakenings. Awakening one was awakening to longing. You see this in the story. This is, you know, when we discover, you know, that these feelings for love and purpose and meaning, that those are put in you by God. Like, he, he created those feelings. He's put those in each and every one of us. And so no matter whether you call yourself a, a Christian or not, God has put these longings in you as a way of using them to lead you back uh, to him. Week two was awakening to regret. And it's here where uh, we see how we so often try and satisfy our longings and so many other things. Uh, we, go, we go looking to other things to bring us significance, to bring meaning into our lives. And so often what happens, and maybe this has happened to you, uh, when you go looking to other things other than God, we often end up in difficult places uh, with these difficult circumstances, places that we never thought we would be. And that's when regret really sinks in, doesn't it? And where it threatens to overcome us, but thankfully we discover with God we can start over. Man, what great news. I hope that you hear that today. I mean, with God, we can always start over. And if you're regretting even where you are in your life right now, uh, with God, there's always a place uh, to start over. And uh, when we start over, it, it, it comes from awakening to help. It's realizing that we need help. And this is when we admit. This is where the son admits in the story that he's powerless to satisfy his own longings on his own. And so in this awakening, we discover that there's help for us and that help has a name and that help for us is, is Jesus Christ. Last week, uh, our Carmel campus pastor, Steve, was here. I went to Carmel. We talked about awakening to love, and this is the moment when we realize that God loves us deeply. And uh, what a powerful moment for each of us. What, what a powerful truth to come back to over and over again in your life. This is when we awaken, when we discover that our identity is in Christ, and as a child of God, we are unconditionally loved uh, by our Father. Well, today, I want to wrap up by looking at this fifth 
and final awakening, and it's in your notes, uh, but it's just simply awakening to life. And it's here in this place that we experience uh, a taste of that life. It's here that we recognize and see the beautiful life uh, that God has for each of us that he invites us into. And we're going to get a taste of that life uh, in just a few minutes as we baptize uh, 12 people here this morning at our Noblesville campus. And uh, not only here uh, in Noblesville, but we're baptizing four in Carmel. And then just a few weeks ago, uh, our campus pastor, Ben, baptized two people at Morse Reservoir. And so that's 18 people, really, in the last month uh, that are finding their way back to God that we get to celebrate together uh, as a church family. Now, in case you're new to all of this, uh, maybe you're here as a guest today. Maybe you just kind of wandered in here. Uh, For us, baptism is a public symbol uh, of just something very powerful and special that God uh, has done in our life. Uh, Baptism is a symbol of moving from death to life. You know, when someone's baptized, it's heaven's way of saying that this is a new person, uh, that they have trusted Christ with their life, that their sins have been forgiven. And in addition to that, for the person that's being baptized, it really is a public uh, announcement of their desire to follow Jesus uh, and to love the Lord uh, with all of their life. And so the shirts that we wear this morning, uh, the shirts that those uh, are being baptized are wearing, you're seeing some out in the crowd too, just simply say, alive. Uh, that I'm alive in Christ, that when we come to Christ, you know, when we trust Christ with our life, we really are a new person. We're alive in Jesus Christ. And I'll just tell you, and you know this, you're going to see this on people's faces uh, when they're baptized here this morning as they come up out of the water. We're going to celebrate together as a church family because, you know, just as there was a celebration for the lost son in the story when he came home, the party that his father threw, we we know that today uh, there's a celebration going on in heaven. Uh, for these individuals who have trusted Jesus Christ. Again, baptism is a powerful, uh, it's a life-changing moment. And uh, maybe, maybe you were baptized. And uh, if so I, I hope you remember that moment. I, I hope that moment for you has had a lasting uh, effect on your life. Um, you know, maybe, maybe today is a reminder for you uh, that you were baptized. And so you're reminded of what Christ did for you and how you too are alive in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. Here's just kind of the question I, I want to look at for just a moment. You know, why isn't it that that's always the case for us? You know, really this passion and this enthusiasm uh, for being alive in Jesus Christ. I mean, wh- why is it that there are so many people that are walking around today, people who have trusted in Christ, maybe trusted in him previously, maybe were baptized, but aren't really living as if they are alive in Jesus today. I mean, why is that? I mean, for others, you know, there are times and sometimes very long seasons when we don't feel very alive in Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you today, have you ever felt like you're just kind of going through life? But if you're honest with yourself, there's no life going through you. I mean, I've been there. I've been in kind of those kinds of seasons. I mean, maybe you know that feeling today that you're going through life, but really there's no life going through you at all. There's no meaning. There's no passion. There's no purpose. Again, maybe that describes where some of you are uh, here this morning. So today, as we wrap up this series, we want to address this question, how do we come alive in Christ? And if you've trusted Christ in your life, what does it mean to come even more alive in him? What does it mean to to come back to a relationship that maybe you knew once so well? Or maybe there are some of you here today that have never trusted Christ as your Savior, and so you know that it's a gamble for you to take a step into something that you've never experienced before. Um, The prayer of the fifth awakening is this, and we've been looking at a a prayer, an individual prayer each week uh, of this series, but our prayer for today is just simply this, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And then just very specifically, awaken in me the confidence that I can live a brand new life. 
Again, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the confidence that I can live a brand new life. I'm hoping, I'm praying that some of you will pray that prayer today and that you will experience a God who is very real, uh, who desires to know you, who desires to be in a relationship uh, with you. You know, Jesus came to earth for us so that we could experience that kind of life, and he showed us how to live that kind of life. And here's what he told his followers. In John chapter 10, uh, verse 10, I, I told you to turn there. Here's what Jesus said. He said, the thief comes, all right, he's talking about the evil one, he's talking about our spiritual enemy, all right, Satan himself, he says, the thief comes uh, only to steal and kill and destroy, all right, that's what he wants to do in your life, that's what he wants to do in my life, he wants to take away the promises, he wants to take away the hope, he wants to take away the truth and the, the significance and the satisfaction that can only be found in Christ to get us moving off in a journey of our own where we go looking to anything and everything Except Christ. That's what he wants to do. That's his role. Here's what Jesus says for us. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. All right, these are some deep and some profound words from Jesus that we might experience life to the full. Now, some translations, depending on which you are reading, uh, use words like rich and satisfying. Jesus says, I will come so that you can have a rich and satisfying life, or I come so that you will have and experience an abundant life. What do you think Jesus is getting at with those words? What's this full life that he describes? You know, when I, I look at this verse, I think, you know, if I'm honest with myself, my immediate reaction is want to say, well, I think more. You know, that a full life, a rich and satisfying life sounds like more, doesn't it? You know, it's like more money in my account uh, or more money, uh, you know, uh, to live off of or a bigger house or uh, more satisfying relationships. Uh, for you, you might say, you know what, more vacation time. You know, that, that's what would really do it for me. And you know what, that's what works for us, right? I mean, in our culture, I mean, we love the word more. Uh, the marketing industry loves to seduce you and me uh, with visions for more. And so if you're buying a house, I mean, we, we look for more house, right, for our money. If you're out shopping for a car, we're always looking for more car uh, for our money. Or if you're, you know, getting ready to buy something off TV, you hear, but wait, there's more, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what we hear. I mean, it's, it's this, you know, we're always being seduced with more. And so we mistakenly translate more in our lives as fullness in our lives. We think if I just had a little bit more, you know, we think that if, you know, more will cut it for us. We, we think that more will satisfy us, but Jesus has something else in mind with this verse. You know, the original language of the New Testament is Koine Greek, and the Koine Greek has five or six different words for the word life. We have one. There are five or six different Greek words for life. One of them is the word bios, all right? And that's probably the one that we're most familiar with. It's the root word uh, for biology. Uh, bios just simply means natural life. It, it, it can refer to the chronological life that we live. It's the day-to-day -day life that we live. And uh, I just think that it's interesting that the average bios life for the average person is 250,000 hours of sleep. It's uh, 76,000 meals. The average bios life is 200,000 trips to the bathroom, all right? That's the, the bios, chronological, day-to-day, going-through-the-motions sort of life. And much of it, if we're honest with ourselves, can kind of feel like going through life, going through the motions each day. But again, what happens when you when you realize that there's no life going through you and you're just doing the routine and it's just another Monday morning and it's just another weekend and you're going through life and you're pushing through life. And so, you know, we, we, we see this, this bio sort of life, again, this kind of quantity, natural sort of life. But there's another word for life in the Bible. It's the Greek word zoe. 
Uh, it's the Zoe life. And, and Zoe encompasses the Bios kind of life, but also goes way beyond that. And whereas uh, Bios is about quantity and, and more of the same, Zoe is very different. A, a Zoe life is more about the quality of life that we live, um, a quality of life that can only come through knowing God. Uh, the type of life that can only come out of and overflow uh, out of the relationship uh, that we have uh, with him. Zoe life all ultimately refers to an eternal life, uh, the kind of life that you and I, that we were made for, a kind of life that will never end. But the Zoe life is fulfilling and satisfying and has everything to do with what it means to say, I am alive in Jesus Christ. And that is the place and the motivation that I will live from. And so when Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full, guess which word he uses? It's this Zoe life. The readers would have caught it. The listeners would have heard it. That Jesus is describing this Zoe uh, sort of life. You see with these uh, words of John, Jesus is talking about a full life. He is talking about this complete life, a life with, with God that can make sense of your past and your present and your future circumstances. And not just more of the same life, but Zoe life is the life, the way God intended for it to be, the way he intended uh, for you and for me and for each of us. It's the kind of life that Jesus lived. It's the kind of life that he is inviting us into. It's, again, fulfilling and satisfying. It's as John says in another place in Scripture, in John chapter 1, verse 4, when he says, in him, he's talking about Jesus was life. And that life was the light for all people. Jesus was describing this Zoe kind of life. See, here's the thing. When you find your way back to God, it really is the beginning of discovering the Zoe life that God has planned for you. Now, let me show you it in the story, in the story of the lost son. This story that we've been looking through or at all through this series, we see this contrast between the bios life and the Zoe life. Uh, it's in Luke 15, uh, 11 to 24. And uh, let, me, let me just show you the, the first couple of verses of this. Uh, verse 11, it says, Jesus continued. And if you're not familiar with this story, Jesus was teaching uh, to a group of religious leaders, but probably a lot of average people like you and me. And uh, he's telling this story. And so he goes on to say, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate so he divided his property between them. And here's how the story goes. I mean, if you can imagine this younger boy going to his father, he was basically saying, I wish you were dead. Can you just give me what I've got coming to me and I'm going to be on with it? And, and so as Jesus told the story, the son wanders off and he goes to a far off land where he blows everything that he has, looking for significance and satisfaction and so many other things. And he blows it and he hits this... Uh, kind of deep place and realizes that the only thing that he can do is return home and hope that the father will maybe make him a slave in the house. And it's a great story. And you should read it for yourself, this picture of a father who sees his son coming and he races to him and he grabs him and he embraces him and he welcomes him back and he brings him back into the home and he throws a party for him as a way of saying, you're still my son. Welcome home. It's great to have you back. But look back to verse 12 again at the very beginning of this story. Again, Jesus describes the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, the original Greek word here, the one that's translated as property, is actually the Greek word bios. It's almost as if the father was saying that he was literally saying as the father divided his life between his sons, it's just as if the father is saying, I'll let you have all that the bios 
life has to offer. But you kind of wonder if he was just thinking, I hope that somewhere along the way that you will realize that it will never completely cut it. That one day you'll realize that more will never satisfy. And let me just stop there for a second and ask, how many of you today are realizing or have already discovered that the bios life on its own will never completely cut it? You know, that going through the motions or uh, living for things like money or living for things like another car or living for things like uh, your career or a promotion or a certain looking man or woman or maybe certain dreams that you have that no amount of these things will ever completely satisfy you. And it's not that any of these things in and of themselves are evil. I mean, these can be good things, but here's what happens. The problem is when we make these things the ultimate thing in our life, when we go looking to th these things, when we go looking to things like a dream or a home or a relationship or a paycheck, I mean, it means putting all of our hopes, betting it all on any of these things, anything apart from Christ. And what we ultimately realize, maybe what some of you have already realized in your life is that we're going to come up empty, that there's really no life in us at all. You see, the bios life pales in comparison to the zoe life, to being in relationship with the Father, to really know and live and mean and understand what it says to say, I'm alive in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. Here's the good news for us. God doesn't want you to settle for the bios life. He doesn't want you to settle with just simply going through the motions day after day, week after week. He created you for this Zoe kind of a life. And he wants you to experience this life to the full. And again, it's life that can only be found in him. It is life that can only be lived through him. And it is the only life that's worth living on this earth. And for the prodigal son in the story, man, he tried it. You've tried it too. I've tried it too. He put all of his hope in money and sex and pleasure and these left him empty. And turning back to the only one who could truly give him life. And when he returned home, he experienced this life. He saw the opportunity before him once again. And as he came home, as his father welcomed him home with this party, with this reunion, he was coming back home to be with his father again. See, here's what it ultimately means for us. Finding your way back to God for you and me means returning to the love relationship with God that we were created for. That's how you were created. It's what I was created for. And it's the only relationship that can truly produce a life that's worth living. It's the only thing in this world that can truly satisfy for us. We're going to baptize in just a second, but uh, I, I, want to, I want to show this to you, just kind of point this question out to you. We, you know, we've spent five weeks uh, on the story of the lost son, and there are so many more elements to the story uh, that we don't have time for. But uh, maybe there's one more question. Uh, as we wrap up, that needs to be asked of this story. And this is a question that came to me as I was just working on this message this past week, but uh, it, it's just this. Do you, ever, do you ever wonder what happened to the son after the welcome party ended? Now, again, it's a made-up sort of a story, but I, I can imagine somebody in the crowd listening to Jesus, really following along with this story that he's telling and raising their hand and asking you, Jesus, hey, I want to know what happened. Like, what happened when the party was over? I mean... Uh, what, it was, what was it like for him to come back? I mean, did he stay home? Or uh, what kind of relationship did he have with his father from this day forward? Again, what kind of life did he live? Is there a chance that the boy ever walked out on him again? Here's why I think that's a great question. Because isn't that what we do? I mean, isn't that what I'm guilty of? 
I mean, we come back to God and we're welcomed home with open arms, but think how often we get bored. Think how often we start believing the other lies. I mean, eventually the party ends for us. We get distracted. Life throws you a curveball, and all of a sudden you find yourself in some circumstances, and you've got some decisions and some choices to make. I mean, it is so easy, if you're like me, to give your attention to so many other things but God. And before you know it, you go back to pursuing the bios life, this day-to-day life going through the motions, and the painful reality is that it doesn't satisfy. It never completely satisfies for us. And why? Well, because the truth is that you were made for so much more. The truth is that you are loved more deeply than you will ever, that I will ever completely understand. The Father wants us to pursue the Zoe kind of love, this full, satisfying, purposeful life that can only be found in a relationship with him, a relationship through Jesus Christ. It's the life that Jesus lived, this Zoe life, and that's the life that he models That's the life that he offers and invites us into. And beginning in two weeks, uh, on Sunday, September the 13th, we're starting an eight-week series that has everything to do with living this Zoe life. And what we're going to do is we're going to study the life of Jesus together. We're going to look at his life so that we can see the real Jesus and the life he lived and realize that we can live the same life too. Here's what Jesus says for us, John 10.10 again. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Let's pray together. And as we pray, I just want to ask you this morning, what life are you living right now? And what life do you want to live starting today? The Father loves you. He loves me more than we will ever know or understand. And it is a deep, satisfying love. He is desperate to be in relationship with you and me, and he just keeps inviting us back. And uh, maybe today is the day. Maybe, maybe you know that you've trusted in Christ, but maybe you realize that you've been living more of this bio sort of life, just a day-to-day, going through the motions and realizing that it doesn't satisfy. Today can be the day you come back. And you say, I want something more. I want something greater. And so I just want to pray for you. And Father, I pray um, for those here today that maybe you're realizing uh, that they haven't been living, they haven't been experiencing that full life, that we so quickly forget what it means to be alive in Jesus Christ. Father, we draw people back to yourself today. Will you help us to see that we can choose the Zoe life and that through Jesus Christ and looking to his life, Lord, we can experience so much more. Uh, create in a stir in us that hunger and that passion for more as we turn to you, as we cling to you, God, as you welcome us back and we can truly say, I am alive in Jesus once again. And uh, for those of you here today, maybe, maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and... Uh, Maybe even as you sit here today, man, there are some fears, there are some worries, but in ways that you can't explain or understand, maybe God is really working on your life right now, and he's reaching out to you. You can reach out to him today. He is good, and he is loving, and he loves welcoming his children home, and he will welcome you home today and celebrate in heaven what can happen in your life, just as we're going to celebrate through baptisms in just a moment. And so if that's where you are today and you're ready to reach out to the Lord, Uh, You can just pray a prayer that goes something like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. 
forgive me of my sins and put your new life in me today. And Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for those that uh, are reaching out to you right now. We thank you for those that are hungry and listening and are ready for more. And uh, Father, we pray that they would experience your love and uh, most importantly, uh, the relationship that we can have with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.